Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a podcast where we study the Bible while teaching people how to study the Bible so that they can read their Bible, not just as information, but as food for their soul. I'm Eric Miller, uh, lead teaching pastor at Mercy Hill Church. I got with me in the recording studio today, Mr. Mark Russell. Hello, hello. Associate teaching pastor, Mercy Hill Church, newly hired administrative assistant Ooh. at Mercy Hill Church, Julia Miller. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And we have Jess Miller, partner, member, favorite person at Mercy Hill. I was trying to think of a title. I didn't, I didn't know. Also Just in the recording studio. With, yeah. Wow, what well, an intro. Was a good, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, this is the first time Julia and Jess have been on the podcast. One of the things we're wanting to do on here is also get some of our uh, sisters in Christ from Mercy Hill on here as we started the Bible together. Again, we're just trying to, um, one of the things we want to do as we started the Bible is just, uh, I think, impart a confidence to people to engage with the Bible in such a way that when you sit down with a group of people and open the Word of God, that uh, God's gonna God's gonna speak to us um, and He's gonna gonna show us something, and that it's always always profitable. But we're excited to have these guys with us today. Today we will be looking at Philippians chapter two, verses twelve through eighteen, and I'm gonna ask Mark to read that for us quickly, and then we'll talk about it. Sure. Here we go says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Awesome. So a little bit of context. Um, it starts with the word, therefore, I feel like this is I get tired of hearing this little phrase, but I feel like most people, most people maybe have not heard it. You know what I'm going to say, don't I do, you? 100%. Yeah, I, I hate like, it too, but every time I see the word, I think of the phrase. I, I, it is. is it's, it sticks with you, but it's every time you see the word therefore, you have to go back and see what it's there for. Have you guys heard that? Yeah, that's oh, a good okay. one. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I have heard it ad nauseum. Well, I'm sorry, because so you'll never forget that. Yeah, yeah. It, will, it is now stuck in you, believe me. Um, but the point is, 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 the point is true. I just get kind of tired of the cheesy little saying, but um, but you'd always want to when you see the word therefore go back look at the context and get the flow of thought. So what Paul has just uh, talked about, we talked about this on the last episode, is he's just come out of what's known as the kenosis passage, which we talked about last time as well, speaking about the great humility that Christ showed, uh, not just in coming to earth, but then humbling himself, not just in becoming a man, but becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In light of what Christ has done. Paul now exhorts the listeners, the Philippian church, but us as well, to do something. He says, therefore, in light of Christ's humility, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, what do you guys think about that little phrase there? Did you notice that? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Any thoughts on that? I think one thing that sticks out to me very quickly is uh even right before that some of so part of part of just in 
I don't know, reading the Bible in general, you like we follow words and phrases and stuff like that. There's also there's also like a tone to to a the mood. writing of feel yeah, yeah, like in that idea and yeah. just kind of yeah, mood is a good way of putting it. Um and so this is and maybe this is just from like you read Paul's other letters and he he can he goes after people pretty strongly, but here it's very like um it's very kind, almost like telling them not to course correct, but do more of what you've already been doing in a way. He says, as you have yep. always obeyed. Um, so now do, do much more of that in my absence. And so you just, I don't know, like that is a, yeah, mood is a good, a good term. So even before yeah. getting to that phrase, the mood of it is not like you need to, take what's wrong hard, with you? Yeah. You <laughs> need to take a hard left. Like you think about, I don't know. I think about like my parents, right. And how different the feeling is that you have when they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're asking that, you know, it's like, you've done something clearly wrong. You need to do something else. There's a little bit of yeah. anger, maybe like righteously, um, versus, Hey, what you just did is, was really good. I want to see more of that. I think too, like as a parent now, how much, like, I wish it was always just, I could look at my three-year-old and be like, just do more of that. Right. Yeah, yeah. More of that. <laughs> so yeah. So, but, but that's all like telling us something about where he's coming from, um, as he starts to push us into this. Yeah, the Philippians is a very um, winsome letter, I think, because in sure. terms of the mood of the whole book, I, I, did we talk? I can't remember if we talked about this on another episode or not. But just that every text and even every book has a mood. So, very quickly, like if you'd ever want to just go over and just even begin to glance at Galatians or look at the beginning of Galatians, Paul comes out swinging. I mean, he just like lights them up. The mood there yeah. is not yeah. happy, chipper teddy bear Paul. Um, uh, but here in Philippians, uh, joy is repeated a lot, and the mood is one of, of uh, compassion and thankfulness for them. Um, we brought this up, too, just real quick, yeah. and I think we brought this up in the intro, too. Like, you see a lot of difference in the intros where sometimes Paul will say, you know, Paul, an apostle, and he's kind of appealing right. to his his authority. Like, he's, he's uh, yeah, he's, he's laying his position out, appealing to his authority as an apostle, here he introduces himself as servant. And so even then it's like much more relational kind of like, you know, not, not this, I'm coming down on you a little bit, but more, more relational feeling. Um, and you, you see that, I think the point being there, you see that, that tone, that mood, that feel throughout in places like this as well. Yeah, for sure. So let me open it up, and I I will go more broad with my question. I asked to comment on that little phrase, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. trembling. But just enjoy it, even if you don't have anything on that. What what else jumped out at you you, uh, as we read that passage? One thing that did jump out at me specifically on that verse is that I think it gets taken out of context a lot as far as working out your own salvation. But in the very next verse, verse 13, it says, for it is God who works in you. And I think that is kind of a it's just interesting how Paul contrasts you know that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling and I I think he's talking about the fear of the Lord right not being actually like afraid but he's talking about being reverent and um when we are in awe of who God is and when we revere him when we fear him in that way it becomes easier for us to like it says in verse 12 to obey him and then that that itself, that act of obedience itself is God working in us and through us and that he does that for his, his good pleasure. I think we talked about, um, also the subject and object of sentences in the E2 course. And that's also something I noticed 
um, God is the the subject here and we're the ones being acted upon. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, probably nowhere else in the scripture will you see a more succinct statement or sentence that encapsulates both God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. You you see those ideas um, running parallel throughout all of the Bible, yet right here, uh, it's it's very succinctly so. Uh, another just little observation there is just careful Bible reading. Again, language matters, not to misread it. But we're working out our own salvation. We're not working for our salvation. Mm. That this is something mm-hmm. that that Christ has done in us. But again, even here speaking to Christians, um, I, again, I think there's just unique ways that the Bible will teach you to talk when you become familiar with the language of the Bible because as and it should happen because we should be having our minds renewed on the word of God and not um, importing our thought or our paradigm or our little box onto it. Um, but that is that even for Christians, it is God who works in you. And I love this little phrase. It's very, it's very hard to get around. And I, I'm not even, I, if I'm really honest, I don't even, I'm not sure I even fully grasp it, but he says, God's at work in you to do what? Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That ultimately that it's actually some quite deep theological <laughs> waters. I mean, and, and by quite deep, I mean, I don't know that it gets any deeper <laughs> than this, that it is God who's at work in us to will and to work for his good, good pleasure. I, don't know. I think another thing that, so just kind of picking back up on some things you guys have said with this idea, again, going back to the, the kind of just feel of this, it's, it is more, you know, kind, friendly, but, but then right after that, what he pushes us into, it's not, um, that we relax, right? Like it's not, you're doing a good job. So we chill. He's pushing us into this mindset of fear and trembling, which yeah, feels a little bit like the opposite of that a little bit. But I love what just said that this idea of, um, you know, cause it's like, well, what does he, what does he mean by that? Um, but I think, I think it is hundred percent this idea of, of trust. There's a, there's a way that we fear the Lord that actually draws us to him and it is reverence and respect. Um, but it, it's not coming from this place of, like you said, Eric, that we, we have to earn something or work towards it or else, you know, the Lord's going to bring the hammer down. It's, it's working it out. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's drawing near, it's doing that. It's doing that respectfully and these ideas, but it just, so again, just those, like, even that contrast is like, okay, on one hand, like there is encouragement, um, but it's not encouragement to now we just take it easy. Like it's, mm. it's encouragement yeah. to press on in fear and trust. And yeah, there's a little, um, I don't know, a little phrase here. I don't know who it's, who it's original with. Maybe it's not a direct quote, but I feel like it maybe is. That was a great setup. Um, <laughs> but, uh, someone once said, <laughs> yes, uh, someone once said allegedly, <laughs> um, but Many times in this, when we're talking about this idea, and I'll sit on this for a second because it really, um, a lot of Christians get hung up here, and I and understandably so, is is the tension between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Is many Christians feel this this feeling of like, well, if God is sovereign, why should I act or why should I try? And I think what these verses, and, and, I would, and I would argue many places throughout the scripture where you see those ideas held in tension together. It's not that God is sovereign, so why should I act? It's 
God is sovereign, so I can act with confidence and with hope. It's not like God's sovereignty is actually the motivation for us being confident that we can act at all in any sort of a way that would that would make a difference or would bring about or bring about anything good. Um, he's saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and then and it's really it's a promise that's meant to gladden our hearts for. So why should we do that? For it is God who works in you. What an what an unbelievable thought! Like this is amazing. This is the I don't know. This is the heart of what Jesus came to purchase again, not just our salvation and dying for our sins, of course, but that he came to purchase the Holy Spirit being poured out to each and every believer, um, that he's now in us to will and to act for his good pleasure, that we can be pleasing to God because God is in us. And so we do it with fear. And sure. I don't know. I know I'm kind of. Yeah, I think that is, <clears throat> it's extremely deep theologically, but it's also very practical. Like we can walk in peace and joy of knowing that God is sovereign over us as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Okay. So, so talk about practical. So look at the little phrase there. So fear and trembling, and by the way, let's just hit pause and we do this from time to time, what not from time to time, but it's kind of one of the main points of this podcast is that we're going to hit pause and just kind of show you some things to look for as you're studying the Bible. Another thing to look for as you're studying the scriptures are movements from the specific to the general and from the general to the specific. And you have kind of that movement here in verse 12. You have this idea of fear and trembling and, and working out your salvation. And then, so that would be kind of like the general, like, the general command. You're like, okay, well, what does that look like? Look how specific now Paul gets in verse 14 in that flow of thought. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I think, <laughs> I think some English translations say complaining. Yeah. So he moves from like just, I mean, the deepest possible theological waters you could imagine of God's sovereignty, our responsibility, and coming out of he's like, don't grumble. Don't complain. Like isn't that yeah. isn't isn't that incredible? I don't know. I find Well that, I think I, it just uh I mean I even think that's right. Even even the point with um you know the conversation around God's God's sovereignty, our responsibility, that whole thing, how deep it really is. I this is again part of what if we're just being honest is is different about just sitting down and and reading the Bible is is the the way the Bible has this conversations it's not just like up in the clouds and we have to figure out philosophically like how this all works mm-hmm. it is very practical mm-hmm. like it yes so yeah Theology how, how, matters. yeah, yeah. How do, but and so on one hand it's important to be able to see how the Bible talks about these big ideas and these concepts but on the other hand like we can't we just live there or somehow in our theology detach that from do all things without grumbling or disputing. Yeah. The Bible puts that, and this is again, what you see, it's different. This is from your sermon this past week out of Romans 15. <laughs> maybe, yeah, I mean, I'm not, no, I'm not saying it's from, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a good time. Yeah, like no, you made yeah, it. Yeah, excellent it's, point. It's, it's along those same things. It really is good. Yeah. It's, it's the difference between me going and grabbing a systematic theology textbook on this and reading through the book of Philippians because when we read through this, we see that Paul's putting them side by side. And that tells us something about not just the right um, statements to make, but actually about the right depiction of this in the Christian life and being consistent with what, with what, with what this truth would then have, how, how it's displayed, how it's actually played out in God's world. And, but, but 
again, it's just doing, it's doing this work. It's doing exactly what we did. It's this, you know, this little idea of general to specific, like, yeah. And what does that tell us? Yeah. And we minimize that. I feel like well, and don't take it seriously because well, we, yeah, I, no, I don't well, know. I mean, well, 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 let's just look at it. So, so this idea of context, God's sovereignty, man's responsibility, work out your salvation, fear and trouble, and God's at work in you to will and to work for, for, for his good pleasure. Um, we, I think so. Even like that conversation about um, about God's sovereignty and our responsibility. What many times people go, ah, was, yeah, yeah. what, yeah, does doesn't really it matter. matter. Yeah, right. Yeah. It it matters the mostest. <laughs> like it, like it matters as much as you could possibly. And yeah, but how? Like I suppose if I'm in a deep debate, then maybe right. I'd be able to just show that I'm right. No, 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 no. Right. It will help you to not grumble. Yeah. It will. Anybody struggle with grumbling? I do. Not me, <laughs> okay. for sure. Yeah. Julia never. That sounded like she... that when I said that it sounded like Julia's the biggest grumbler, yeah. and I was saying that sarcastically. I'm not. I was just no. But I think you're right. Like um, the whole thing about you know grumbling and disputing. Obviously, that was also an issue back in that day. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's yeah. a huge. It's a huge part of the. It's a huge part of the biblical storyline too. Like I. Mm. God's people have been grumbling since God since let them out of Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah. you know, it's rooted in that. I think too, even back to your, um, this idea of both to will and to work and like, what is that? I think he's probably again, I mean, we're kind of doing this a little bit, just talking through it, but, I, but I think he's probably starting to answer that question too, right after and this idea. That's another thing like Paul, he, uh, not just Paul, but like, it's all God's will. I feel like is another thing that we kind of mysticize a little bit. Um, but I think often the Bible tells us what the Lord's will is. And I think it's this kind of life. I also think too, there's this, um, and, and maybe a hint at that is something that we brought up back in chapter one with this kind of, he keeps, he keeps on one hand, like talking about right now, but also pointing forward. So, you know, uh, work out your own salvation. I think, is it chapter one that he talks about? He's going to bring, uh, what is the phrase? Bring it to completion that I did your salvation. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right at the beginning. You guys know what I'm You began about. good work. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. That's the until the day of Christ okay. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So that same idea, but all pointing forward to this day of Christ when all of this is, yeah. is completed. And he does the same thing there um, in the middle of this passage as well. But again, all of these things in the here and now leading to that that one day reality. And, and it's that, you know, that's that's ultimately his will is that, this would end there. So is it safe to say that God's will is for us to do all things without grumbling or disputing? Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, well let, let, let's press into that. I know, I know we're hitting on the, but let, let's press into that even more. How does specifically though? So we're, so the premise is that we're putting forward here is that God's sovereignty over all things, even our willing and our working that working in us, that truth should impact the way that we don't grumble and don't complain or, or don't dispute. But but how? How does God's sovereignty help us in that? Well, we understand, first of all, that the situations in our lives, God is in total control and he is sovereign. So even when he allows pain and suffering and things that are uncomfortable to happen in our lives, he's doing it for a reason. And we know that reason is based on Romans 8.28, that he's working all things right. for um this is a paraphrase, but all things for our good and for his glory. Yeah. And we know that he's also conforming us to the image of Christ. So that would be the good that's specified yes. in that verse. 
and not and not even just pain and suffering, but what about the situations in our life that He's sovereign over that are just annoying, right? <laughs> I mean, those are like the, getting like, ready for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, <laughs> possibly. I've, I've heard. Um, but but like when I think about grumbling and disputing, or and again, disputing probably like grumbling could be more personal. Again, I'm just kind of meditating out loud here, but disputing maybe more amongst people, but um, uh, but but also complaining. You know, it's not even just the big, heavy, like, pain and suffering thing, although 100% I agree with what you said. But, like, just the, the little, he's sovereign over the the person that cuts you off in traffic. He's sovereign over when you get a flat tire. He's sovereign You're losing over, me a little bit. Oh, he, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, some, <laughs> some people. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, for those of us that have kids, he's sovereign over uh, when your kids don't always listen to you the way you would think that they would. At this point, um, <laughs> but uh, like he's he's sovereign over all those things, and in everything, he's actually allowing those things for his good pleasure. Not, not hear me on that. Not to annoy us, but like he wants to work in us in that moment for his for his good pleasure. That every little detail of your life falls under the sovereign plan of God to the place where the number of hairs on your head, the your very next breath that you take. Um, and we just, I don't know, we, we think that he's not, but well, here's, a, I, yeah, I think another thing too, with God's sovereignty is again, looking a little bit forward, but this idea, so he says after that, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Again, this picture of this is all coming to completion, but it's, it's, it's implying there's going, that's part of it. It's implying there's going to be things we could grumble or complain or dispute about, yes but that we don't do that. And so I, there, there's a, I mean, it, it's, there's a way in which the Lord is actually using these things, reality situations to get us to this end goal of, of the completed work in us. Yeah. Um, how, how do we fight when we, when we, when we um, confront or are confronted by a situation or circumstance, a person, that would maybe cause us to grumble, complain, dispute, murmur in some way. Do we engage that situation with the truth of God's sovereignty that he's with us in that moment, ready to work in us to bring about so, something good? Or do we just approach that situation as good Christians don't complain, yeah. good Christians right, don't complain, yeah. good Christians don't complain? Do you see the difference between oh, how we always say like our theology matters these promises, these truths matter, or just what has been described as moralistic therapeutic deism, where we just like good Christians do this, good Christians do this. That is a recipe for disaster. There's also too, like again, this is this idea of through all those things, it's the Lord who here He's working in us. Yeah. And so it's not like you're faced with this situation. The Lord needs to go work in this and change it because yeah. it's wrong. Yeah. In it us. might yeah. be. It might be bad. But he's still using that to do a work in us in the meantime, yeah. uh, which, is, again, is just like so it's only because the Lord is sovereign that that happens. And it and it completely reshapes the way we think about it. It's no longer a problem with the outside. It's, well, I actually need I actually need this in my life because I'm I'm not perfect. I need to grow in grace, forget whatever it is, like all these things. Yeah. And I think that, again, backing up to what was just just uh, previous to this in chapter two. That's the foundation for that whole mindset. Yeah. Um, and also, how good of God 
to do that for us, that he allows even like the annoyances in our lives. Like he is truly, he allows that. It doesn't come from a place of, oh, God is up there, you know, just like waiting to punish me when I have a bad attitude or something like that. He's actually allowing it because of his love for us and because of it. Where does it say in the Bible that he disciplines us, you know, like a father disciplines his son? Hebrews 12. Hebrews, yeah. yeah, so it's just, it's it's very loving, actually. Yeah, so let's continue on here. Um, let's look, looking down, what, what jumped out at you guys, like eh, verses 15 through 18, a little farther down? In the passage, I saw a couple of different cross references where he's talking about in verse 15. Um, among he's talking about children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights of the world. Jesus also said that his followers and his people were about uh, were to be lights of the world as yeah. a city. He compared it to being a city on the hill. And then I also noticed that. What was it? <laughs> Sorry, I lost my place. That's okay. No, the, the uh, um, so that whole thing there with uh, being blameless and innocent children mm-hmm. of God, again, just how simple it is that we, sh- sometimes we think about, you know, shining like lights in the world, like, man, what do we got to do? We got to go win the nations for Christ, and we're going to go preach the gospel on the street corner. Maybe, but again, why don't you start by not grumbling? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just see, see how the flow of thought kind of, unfolds did you remember what you wanted yeah i remembered it was something that jesus had also said i think it was in matthew 10 when he told he was sending the disciples out and he told them to be as innocent as doves and as shrewd as serpents and so that was just another parallel that i saw there uh, with being blameless and innocent and yeah to your point eric i think we oftentimes make you know living on mission as as this big huge thing that like we have to go out and do and have to accomplish great things for god but it really just starts with our hearts and taking a, a good strong look at ourselves and yeah not grumbling that my mom is asking me to clean the house for thanksgiving sure <laughs> not to uh just really call myself out here there's another with that with that point of uh this being a way that we actually are set apart in the world that we actually look different um I'm just thinking of ways like, I mean, I grew up in church. I don't know if all of you guys, I know Eric, Julia, did you grow up in church? Like when I was younger. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So just like thinking like back to my youth group days. And I feel like that's a very, um, pointed, like just they, you know, they often come back to that. You got to be a witness and all this stuff and don't ruin your testimony kind of idea. But it's always like, which is good. Um, but it's always like these, very specific, like two or three things. Um, and it's, it's never things like don't complain, you know what I mean? Right. Like I, we just kind of, it's just interesting how we pick and choose maybe, or, or decide what those things are based on certain, I don't know. Yeah. I actually, that, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I think that's a really good point. I was just thinking that oftentimes we focus so much on our outer appearance and like the things that we're doing for God, like what you said about not ruining our testimony. Okay. Don't smoke, don't drink, don't party, all of that. But it is, it is, even if you don't do those things, you might in your heart want to do those things. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. The it's, it's, so we're going to transition a little bit here in verses 16 and 17. Just again, Paul does this. It's, it's just, it's interesting how, okay. So he's, 
he's wanting them to be ready for the day of Christ. He's also himself thinking about the day of Christ, like even in his his uh, calling or commitment to uh, to help people grow in their relationship with Christ. He says, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud, which is just, again, I don't want to rip that phrase out of its context, so there are qualifiers for it. Um, but Paul's saying, he's like, I want to be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And again, the labor that he's talking about is laboring in the Philippian church with these people. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just, I don't even know what my point is other than it's, it is an interesting way of talking. I don't think we talk that way. I think we would talk more, well, even if, you know, there's no change in your life, I'm just going to do what God has called me to do. Paul's like, I don't want to have run in vain. <laughs> like, like, I mean, is that not, I mean, and obviously it's not, um, there's no, there's nothing sinful in it, but he's saying like he, he wants to help people cross the finish line and that's part of him crossing the finish line. Again, not in a workspace righteousness way, but in a way that is uh, propelling every, everybody forward. Uh, and then he goes into this phrase again, along the same lines, verse 17, and we can talk about this a little bit, but what do you guys think about this, this word picture that he brings up here? He says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also also should be glad and rejoice with me. And by the way, as you're going through the book of Philippians, there's a couple more times that the word joy or rejoice is used because that's been something that's been related, or, or I'm sorry, I should say repeated throughout throughout the letter. So is, is Paul talking about that if he is going to be poured out as a drink offering, he's talking about his death, right? Um, it, it could, or, he, he uses the same phrase in the book of 2 Timothy. Um, actually, I think I pulled it in, in 2 Timothy, which is he Paul knows that he's going to die soon there. He says that to Timothy. He says, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure has come. So it's similar language, and he knows that, like he's going to die soon. I don't think here it's it has to be just his death. I think it's like him pour like his entire labor of all that he does. It's like he he's being poured out uh, all the way up to that point. You're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. the way up. Like his yeah. like his he he pictures. I think here's the takeaways. He pictures all that he does as worship. He pictures all that he does as like, and again, so let's dig into some of this imagery here because this is not like this imagery isn't coming out of a vacuum. This is Old Testament imagery. Right. Um, poured out as a drink offering. So drink offerings were something that were offered. Like, you, like We're not going to do a deep dive on this now, but in, like in the book of Leviticus and stuff, uh, priests would do this. Upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. So, so in the Old Testament, they would offer like, you know, I don't know, a lamb, a sheep, goat, dove, something. Um, it's it's on the fire then they pour a drink offering on top of it it would kind of like steam up the imagery here is that like he's working on their faith and he sees himself as just this this drink offering that's poured out and what would happen to the drink offering when you pour something like wet onto something hot it just kind of like evaporates steams and i and i it's a and paul just sees his life as that he sees he sees his life as just as a vapor I, I th uh, yeah, I think there's there's some of that yeah, as just the vapor of being poured out as worship to the Lord, um, which but he it's a but it's for them. It's not just in like by itself. He's like he's doing this on the sacrificial offering of their of their faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I just think it. I think it again. This is another way the Bible. I think 
is instructive and probably maybe more so this type of genre like letter. Some things are just meant to be not necessarily like taught explicitly, but you, but, but you catch them, you know what I mean? And so this is, I find this like, there's some things you read through Paul and it's like, why is he giving us this detail? And he's just kind of filling in and, and it's, you know, not really necessary to us, but it's because I think we, we probably are emphasizing the high doctrinal stuff sometimes and, and are only looking for that. There's a lot in here to just catch, like, um, you know, what you were saying about that I might be proud that I did not run in vain. There's a good, there's a, there's a good way that you can be proud and even desire that, that your work produces result. Like there, that's a, that's an okay thing. You know what I mean? And you, you just catch that from again, this, this window into Paul's mindset and same thing here too. Like this is, this is how Paul is viewing his life. He's not just sitting down, maybe saying it, but, but we're catching that in the way that he's talking to people and yeah. encouraging them and, and, and processing out loud a little bit, which I think is cool. Sure. Well, this is, this has been good. We need to begin to land the plane, but before we do, let's go around. Justin, I'll start with you. Is there anything else? Just, just like final takeaways from, from this passage, or maybe it is something that we, that we already talked about. Yeah. I think that what I would say, <laughs> you say it, I'm not, sure. <laughs> I'm not sure what's coming. No, um, I don't have any, yeah. Uh, I don't have any profound thoughts, I guess, on the end of this. I really do like the the imagery that Paul uses from the Old Testament as far as what you were just saying about being poured out as a drink offering. Um, I just, I love that the whole Bible is, it, it backs itself up and it's, um, I don't know. I think it's just awesome how we see things all the time in the New Testament and, and prophecy and all that that really give credence to the old Testament and it's, it's the Bible and it's all of it is there because we need all of it. Like you say. Yeah. Very good. Julia, final thoughts, takeaways. I would say, um, the biggest takeaway is with Paul's imagery of, you know, running the race and then just being poured out and all of that. I have to think of like, what would it actually look like, you know, for someone who, I guess for like what doing the opposite of what Paul would be doing, you know, you don't want to like, run a race and you're just like, yeah, man, yeah. just walking along, just, you know, not really giving it your all. Sure, sure. Um, but it's just been a big encouragement to really think about like in everything that you do, whether it's work or church or just anybody that you come in contact with, just being able to be poured out yeah. um, in faith. No, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. Mark. I don't know. I just think the Bible's cool. Here's one thing real quick. Yeah. I love when the Bible talks about the Bible, like with it, you know what I mean by that? And uh, he does that here too. He talks about holding fast to the word of life. And it's, it's just kind of a cool as we're like reading it, working through it. We're doing that very thing. And then for, for the Bible to in turn, tell us to, to do that. I just think it's a, I don't know that, you see that in different places. I just think it's cool and uh, it's good. That's good. I, I think my thing would be just that all of us have, whether consciously or intentionally or subconsciously slash unintentionally, a vision in our minds or in our heart, soul of what we think maturity looks like. Make sure that that's a biblical picture of maturity and don't 
don't overhype it, you know. Like so, so and, and this is just me, personal application. Eric Miller, today, whatever the date is, November something, day before Thanksgiving, twenty twenty three. Better get ready. Hey, hey Eric, <laughs> don't grumble and don't complain. That's it. That's my takeaway. Anyway, we hope that this uh, episode has been helpful in helping you study the Bible and uh, get something from it, not just as information, but as food for your soul. Thank you.